Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the seventh day of July. I'm Paul White, and we are in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, where Paul uses the phrase, therefore, do not be ashamed. And when you see a therefore, look, find out what it's there for in light of the previous verse. And the previous verse, which we talked about yesterday, verse 7, one of the most famous verses in the entirety of the New Testament God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A verse so popular that most of you know it, even if we don't know what book, chapter, and verse it's in, we've heard God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. What we haven't really dwelt on enough because of our translation issues is the fact that the word used here for fear is never used again in the New Testament. It's not the typical word for fear. We talked about this yesterday. It's God hasn't given us a spirit of cowardice but power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed. So we take what we hear Paul say about the the, uh, spirit of cowardice, and we assume, because the therefore points back to previous material, that what Paul is trying to say in verse 8 has to do with what Paul said in verse 7. So if Paul tells Timothy not to be a coward, listen, you have power, you have love, You have self-control. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. It tells me that there's a chance, and I don't want to sling stones at Timothy, but there's a chance that Timothy's been showing himself a little cowardly. Maybe he hasn't taken the stand he needs to. Maybe he has distanced himself a little bit from the Apostle Paul. At least it sounds a little like that. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Listen, you don't have a spirit of cowardice, Timothy. You have self-control, love, power. So don't be ashamed of me. It's one thing to be ashamed of Paul. It's another thing to be ashamed of the Lord. But he doesn't say don't be ashamed of Jesus. He does, that's, that's a bridge too far. But it's don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of what's the testimony of our Lord. Compare it with what Paul's going through. Paul's in prison. Paul's going to die. Paul hasn't actually done anything um, that we would consider a breach against humanity. He hasn't killed anyone. hasn't stolen another man's goods. He hasn't lied and destroyed reputations. He's broken some form of empirical law, most likely blasphemy in that he declared Jesus to be the one true God. That was Christianity's great failure in the eyes of the Roman Empire, is that they demanded Jesus be considered the anointed son of God and that there be but one God. And that was considered intolerant. And that kind of intolerance in the face of the empire was a offensive death or could be if the person committing it was deemed to have enough authority or power or following to be a problem. Paul would have fallen into that category. But that identifies Paul in many ways with Jesus because Jesus was killed by the state to silence, maybe to silence him, but also perhaps to silence the critics to put a, to squash what they thought could potentially become some sort of insurrection or rebellion. Of course, God had greater plans in mind for the death of the cross than some Roman tool of execution to silence strangers and vagabonds and punish criminals. 
But Jesus, numbered with them, dies among them, and that first century church deals with the scandalon, as Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 1, the scandalon of the cross, the Greek word from which we derive the English word scandal. The scandal of the cross is pretty evident. You're following someone who died on a Roman cross. Romans don't kill their own. Romans kill the stranger, the criminal, and the weak. So you're following that. The scandal of the cross, among a bunch of other things that the cross would have represented in their day. So in verse 8 of 2 Timothy 1, Paul is encouraging Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What's the testimony of Jesus is the cross. It is what Christ still declares. I died, I resurrected, I ascended. It's, it's such a tenet of the faith for us. Um, but it's difficult, I think, for us to put our minds around how outside the box this was for a bunch of men and women who were raised on temple worship, animal sacrifice, and Judaism to suddenly go to their their peers and their family members and say, I think that Jesus that died a few years ago in Jerusalem was the actual Son of God, and I believe he resurrected as evidence of it. And your family then looks at you like, listen, we've got Moses and the prophets, man. We, we've already been given the Torah. God's already chosen us. Don't go down this road. I don't know that we've ever really wrapped our minds around how subversive that that was and how difficult that was not only to embrace in their culture and in their time but also how difficult it was with the background that they had of Judaism so there's some of that I think in verse 8 therefore don't be ashamed of the testament of our Lord nor of me his prisoner so listen I'm in the same boat he says in, in, in so many respects I'm in the same boat our Lord Jesus was in I'm dying And I don't deserve this, not by the standards of the people killing me. Um, And I know I'm bringing you shame and embarrassment because of this. But I encourage you, you don't have a spirit of cowardice. He's kind of calling that sort of shame cowardice. It's like, stand up, Timothy, be bolder. You're not a coward. I'm his prisoner, but I'd rather you share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God... And the early church marked that as a great sign, by the way. Verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Let's save verse 9 for tomorrow because there's some things there on the the anion times in the Greek that we want to get into at the end of verse 9. It needs its own day. We'll do that tomorrow, and I encourage you, You don't have a spirit of cowardice, so be prepared to share with Christ in the sufferings of the gospel if necessary, and don't consider the sharing of the sufferings of the gospel evidence that favor has left you. That's a perverse teaching. Favor has nothing to do with you not having to suffer. It has to do with you receiving the goodness of God and not paying for it, and that we have, and we thank God for it. Grace to you. God bless.